What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is the Certified Wrench Podcast. Man, you know, I just did what I said a couple episodes ago I wouldn't do. Oh, wait, have you? You haven't listened to the, what is it, chocolate donuts or whatever, donuts and chocolate milk episode yet, have you? I don't remember what, uh, <laughs> what episode it is. I think I have. That's the one um, right after um, men no. go to therapy or women go to therapy and men go on a podcast. Or no, something. no. So you've you said you only made it to forty three so far. It's episode forty four. So oh, yeah. every episode I start out, I say, "What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm my name and blah blah blah." And I'm trying to get away from that because it's stupid. <laughs> I just fucking did it again. Anyway, what's up, guys? Um, I guess we're going back to two weeks release every week because I have been slacking like crazy. Um, we're going to get back into it, though, I promise. Anyway, we're going a little bit east of Texas today. We're going over to Alabama. I've uh, got Jeremy. I'm just kidding. Jeremy. Turley on the episode today. What's up, man? What's up? It's nice to be on. I appreciate the invitation. Hell yeah, man. You, uh, it, it, for most of you, I shared a video yesterday. I'm going to say yesterday, but some people might not listen to this for a year. But for me, yesterday, I shared a video on Instagram, and this guy is making his coworker, coworker, right? Yeah. Listen to my podcast and uh yeah, so this is him. Let's talk about you for a minute. This is a terrible intro. I apologize. <laughs> I'm just winging it, man. It's all good. It's gonna be par for the podcast. <laughs> I'm terrible at talking. <clears throat> my name is Jeremy, obviously. Um I'm uh a diesel mechanic. I work in the truck field. Um, uh, fourth generation is how I got into it. Uh, it's just a family business, I guess you'd say. I got started young. Uh, my dad had a back injury when I was like nine years old. So he thought it would be easier on his back to buy some trucks and run a trucking company. But, uh, we done all of our own work on the trucks. So I started young, um, changing tires and, Simple stuff, and then by the time I was 12 or 13, I was doing clutches and overheads, belts, stuff like that. And then by the time I was 15 or 16, we were doing overhauls. And uh, I kind of knew that that's what I was going to be from that point. I had already had experience with it. I took an automotive uh, tech school. It was a dual enrollment when I was in high school. I graduated high school um, on a Tuesday, went to work for a construction company on Wednesday. Damn, Um, sounds like me. I did the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, I I was originally hired at the company to drive a truck because in the state of Alabama at 18, you can get a CDL Mm -hmm. in state. And I was hired to go to work with them and drive a truck since I had a little background with trucks. And on my first day, we were doing a a company tour, and we went to the shop, and the truck that I was supposed to be driving was in the shop getting the clutch installed. 
And the mechanic at the time came out, introduced himself, and he's like, hey, this truck's, you know, not going to be ready talking to my boss while we were there. He's like, I put the clutch in, it won't disengage. I don't know what's wrong with it. And I was like, I think you probably got a clutch disc in backwards, you know, just trying to give a little advice. And he's like, oh, no, that's not it. And uh, anyway, me and the boss continued our tour. And uh, I went home for the day. And that evening he called and said, you're not going to be in a truck. You're going to be our mechanic. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, I went into a service truck in the first two weeks of being in the field. And I worked on construction equipment. And I've done that for several months. And I wanted to get the piece of paper from a college saying that I could be a mechanic. Hmm. Um, so I started uh, college and I worked at the construction company also. I took morning classes and night classes and worked through the day. Um, one day we had a rock crusher. It had been raining for days and the rock crusher blew a hydraulic line. So I went under that rock crusher and swim and water and hydraulic oil change in line. And that's the moment that I decided construction equipment was not for me. <laughs> so I worked my way out of there and uh, finished school, went to work for a trucking company, uh, fell in love with it. Um, I left there after a year, went to another place a little closer to home. And uh, eventually I got to where I am now and I started uh, started there as a, like a mid-level technician. I had some experience, but still being very young. So go back a little bit. You, you used to wrench for your old man when he had a truck company or still, does he still have it? I take it. Yeah, well, um, or is sort this of like an episode. Uh, it's not for me. It's uh, my uh, my mom passed away from cancer, mm. and after that, my dad completely got out of the trucking, and he went back to work as a mechanic mm. himself. So you didn't technically and, really have any job lined up with him because I was like, well, why would you go work for somebody else when you got this gig, you know? But now I get yeah, it. Yeah, my. Yeah, my mom passed away when I was 16, so by the time I was 17, my dad was completely out of the trucking business. And, uh, I, yeah, um, like a previous episode, I don't remember which one it was, I've watched or I've listened to so many in a short time that <laughs> there it's like one continuous episode when I think back. Mm-hmm. And uh, But there was a guy, um, his dad passed away or something, and... Yeah, I was just going to breeze over that. But. <laughs> you know, I apologize. You know, I, I just, no, I'm it, always it curious, you know, why stuff didn't work out type stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's been a long time. That was in 2006. So I've, uh, you know, I've dealt with, with all that. So I don't mind talking about it. But, uh, yeah, so I'm 
I got to the company I met now, started at mid-level tech because I was 22 when I started there. Um, very green. I had, you know, experience, but um, you can't start at the top yeah. everywhere you go. <laughs> of course. And I've, I've worked there, like I said, uh, 11 years, and I worked my way up to a diagnostic tech um, I do heavy repair and diagnostics. Uh, we've got several locations, and if there's a truck that the technicians in that branch can't figure out, um, or if it's been to a dealer and they can't figure it out, I travel to that branch and do the diagnostic work. And when I'm not uh, traveling, I'm in the the home shop and I do um, engine overhauls, transmission overhauls, heavy diagnostics, stuff like that. Yeah. So are you a top level technician now? How does that work? Yeah. Um, in our technician rankings, I've been uh, the highest tier technician for probably eight years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I moved up uh, fairly quick. Uh, you know, I proved myself, uh, come to work, work hard, um, do what you're supposed to do. You know, just generally being a good employee and with the way the world is now, that's exceptional. So, Yeah, of course. So I, I know you said you go help out other people or whatever, but are you technically a shop technician or do you have a service truck? Oh. I have a service truck. Oh, yeah. So you get mm, to go out and fix a, stuff that breaks down too? or Yeah. Um, I, I go out for uh, – we have like a rotation through the shop um, for breakdowns and our own call. Uh, so I have my, I still have my weekly or my week of rotation that I go out and do, uh, breakdowns, side of the road breakdowns, stuff like that. 10, four. Well, shit. That can't beat that, man. Especially if you, it sounds like you like it, you know, you enjoy it or am I, am I hearing it wrong? <laughs> you no, just I the <laughs> No, I, <clears throat> I like where I work. Um, I enjoy what I do. There's uh, there's definitely times when you want to pull your hair out and say the hell with it. But in general, um, there's in my opinion, there's no better feeling than um, having a truck towed in or drug into the shop and won't start and three or four other shops have worked on it and two dealerships and everybody's given up on it and you uh, be persistent and find the issue and drive it up. Yeah, of course. You got your uh, dead check and you wave over it and somehow you fix it. It's the best feeling. That's what they think. <laughs> Sometimes when my boss will go, where's your dead chicken at? Because, you know, somebody will go out and look at it or whatever and can't figure it out, you know just makes me laugh so i i gotta ask this i'm sure you get this a lot you being from alabama have you met forrest gump 
I have not <laughs> met Forrest Gump. Um, I'm pretty sure I've met some of his very close relatives, though. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was the uh, first time I ever went to Alabama. I was pretty disappointed that there actually wasn't a Greenbow, Alabama. Yeah, that was actually based off of. Um, I, I looked it up one time. I think they uh, they got the inspiration for Greenbow, Alabama. I think from Athens, Alabama, which is up north, uh, north in the state. Hmm. Yeah, I was. But uh, I'm not 100 positive. <laughs> say that again. I said, but I'm not 100 positive. I got you. Yeah, I just I, I don't know. I'm my humor is terrible, and I love that movie. So I thought I'd ask. Yeah, I, I love it too. Um, I'm an Alabama fan, and you know, Forrest was the, the Alabama running back. So, <laughs> so I, I, you got some other stuff in here in your background in your questionnaire. I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but I think it's pretty cool what you do. But that's yeah. that's up to you, man. I'm an open book. Um, I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time on my background. Uh, some people enjoy it, but mine's kind of boring. I've um, I've never worked at a dealer. Um, I just, you know, worked for fleets. And I did leave out that uh, when I went to that, um, I went to a college to get my diesel certificate. Um, I, I went a semester, and at, by the end of that semester, I was teaching the labs pretty much. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, at the end of that semester, the instructor had talked to the president of the college and the dean or whoever, and he came up and said, how, you know, how would you like to get paid to be here? So I became the assistant instructor, and uh, I taught labs and uh, stuff like that and got paid to finish college. That's cool. So it ultimately really didn't cost you anything, I guess? No, uh, the first semester I went on uh, Pell Grant, and then the second semester I went on a scholarship, mm. and then the third semester is when my um, role started, and uh, employees attend classes for free. So well, that's pretty cool. Uh, so did you just were you offered like? after you graduated, did they want you to stay or was that kind of, did they know that you were going after that? I had the option to stay, uh, but I wanted to chase uh, a career outside of the college and I left on good terms. Uh, I'm actually on the board of directors for that program. Cool, man. That's awesome. So, I'm always an advocate for this type of stuff, you know, especially like when it comes to high school, I, cause they're getting rid of all that stuff. You know, I just found out that the high school here that my son's going to be going to, uh, they have welding still. So he's like, I want to do that. <laughs> so yeah. I, I wish we could push more of that stuff back into high school, you know, wood shop and automotive and all that, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, 
the rest of this, uh, that's up to you if you want to share it. I mean, you know, obviously yeah, you ride, ride Harleys and, you know, that you got a special place. You got a soft spot in my heart for that. I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm open to anything. Uh, my nerves have subsided a little bit. <laughs> I, I kind of skipped through my bio due to, you know, nerves and trying to get that out of the way, but I'm comfortable now, so I'm yeah, good to talk. Everybody's always nervous when they get onto this. I don't understand why. Like, when somebody invites me to be on their podcast, I'm like, fuck yeah, and I get into it, but um, I can understand. I was nervous my first podcast that I did with somebody. That was the Sweat and Grind podcast I was on, but um, we can. you got on here that you volunteer, but that's up to you if you want to share that you know that's yeah. that's your background that's, uh, that's private stuff yeah that's something that um i actually like to share with people especially um in the trades and to a predominantly male field uh i'm a uh, volunteer with casa that's a nationwide thing uh casa stands for court appointed special advocate there's uh hundreds of thousands of kids in the foster system and a lot of those kids in the foster system are there due to neglect and abuse so um it's uh, ju uh judge appointed when a case comes across the judge's docket or whatever um to place a child in foster care stuff like that the judge will see these cases where there's abuse abuse and neglect involved in the case so they'll appoint a CASA to that case. Um, as a CASA, it's strictly volunteer. Um, the cases that I'm appointed to, I'm appointed to for the life of the case. Uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know about um, when it comes to the foster system is these children are there, you know, by nothing that they've done. It's outside circumstances, parents um, passing away, uh, parents getting involved in drugs. Um, you know, it's none of the stuff's the child's fault. And then the child's pulled from everything that they know and put into a foster home or, <clears throat> you know, placed into uh, care with a foster parent. It's not always like a group home. But these kids have been pulled from everything that they know, and now they're staying in a place they don't know with people they don't know. And in the court system and the foster system, everything changes. Your DHR workers will change very quickly. Foster parents um, and placements can be changed. Um, if a kid's in foster care for a year, they may have had three or four DHR workers. Um, two or three foster placements and everything's changing and the kids don't have time to build a relationship or trust with anyone. And, you know, like what if somebody came into your house and said, you know, you're coming with me, you can't talk to anybody that you know, you can't bring anything other than a couple clothes. Um, it's rough if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So the CASA, um, what I am, is we're with that case for the life of the case. We're a common face that somebody that that child will, no matter what foster home they'll be in or who their DHR worker or who the lawyer is or anything, we're the consistent. 
And so we get to know the children. Um, we build trust with them. And then when court comes around, we, since we have built a relationship with this child and seen the conditions that they live in and stuff like that, uh, we can advocate for their best interest to court where um, the DHR worker, which DHR is obviously there for the child's best interest, but if you've had two or three workers through the life of the case, they don't really know that child as well as they could. Yeah, and, yeah. It's crazy. And, uh, but that's something um, anybody that can pass a background check can be a volunteer, and it's most CASA volunteers are older women, and there's a lot of teenage boys in the system, and um, men volunteers um, are able to relate more to those young boys, and it's something that um, I like to get the word out about. I've shared a few videos on my TikTok channel about it, and um, if anybody's interested in that, um, that's something that's definitely fulfilling. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to take up the whole podcast. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. I just, this is a, uh, very sensitive subject for me because of the stuff I've had to deal with, with my children. So I have a hard time with it sometimes, but I think a lot of us deal with that, you know, divorce and splits and custody and all that stuff and luckily my kids have never had to deal with that but you know they've had to deal with alienation and stuff like that which i haven't really got into that on my podcast because this podcast isn't like really about that but you know since we're talking about it you know i've dealt with some shit so and i'm lucky enough to have one of my kids with me full time now so anyway (laughs) that's definitely a it's awesome, man, that you do that. What what got you inspired to, you know, get involved with that? Well, um, I've, me and my ex-wife uh, were never able to have children. Hmm. Um, so I've always, always wanted kids, and I was never able to have any. So uh, for the last few years around Christmas, I've, since I didn't have any kids to focus on, I I ran uh, like a, a money drive, toy drive, or something like that, and I would um, raise money, buy toys and clothes and stuff like that, and give to children in my tri-county area. Um, because when I started, it was the year before the spicy cough, and <laughs> you know um, things were. Uh, starting to decline, you know, people were getting scared and there was people, you know, getting laid off and uh, some people couldn't afford to do Christmas. So I saw an opportunity to help, you know, something that um, I felt led to do. So I went into that and uh, I still, uh, I still do that every year. And I just happened to be on Facebook and I saw um, an ad for uh, CASA uh, looking for volunteers. And it just felt like something that I should do. So I done it. Right on. 
I dig it. I like it a lot. And uh, now that we know this, this, you said toy drive. Yeah. Uh, do you still do it every year or what? Yes. I have a, a website that's uh, linked in my link tree on my TikTok page. It's carsforkidsal.com. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, t- towards the end of this podcast, we'll fucking lay all that shit out. And then, like, I'll give you a shout out on the on the Instagram and all the social medias for this podcast episode. So, and I'll put all that shit in there for you. Um, but I think uh, so that's something I would, I would like to, uh, you know, help out with when it comes around, you know, via the podcast or, you know, see if we can help out here in Texas or, you know, however we can do it. But uh, I definitely support it. So, well, enough of the sad story here. <laughs> so... You've got a question. Well, you want a different. Oh, uh, you wanted different copies. So I brought different copies. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Shit, you know, there's a. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who are blown away by that stuff, man. There's. It takes a, a tough person to be able to deal with that kind of stuff, especially when it comes to kids. You know, I was almost a police officer and had to watch all the the videos and all that stuff, and you know, seeing kids stuff is just not cool, man. So. Let's uh let's let's happy this thing up a little bit. <laughs> you know, you you got a question in your questionnaire here. Why do you hate talking tools? Yeah, um I don't I understand uh you know not talking tools. It's usually the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But I didn't I I don't think that I've heard you say exactly why you dislike the tool talk so much i didn't mind it in the beginning but it was just kind of like uh you know i was getting to know everybody because there's there's the common people when it comes to the podcast and like i would throw out on instagram like hey what kind of topics you guys want to talk about or hear about or whatever and it was always like let's talk tools whether it be tools like you need to start out or specialized tools or any of that stuff so it just got uh, it was just the same old thing, and it got to the point where I was just like, I don't want to talk about this no more. And uh, so it's just like, and then the the Milwaukee guys. Are you a Milwaukee guy? No, nope, I stick <laughs> to those yellow tools. Yeah, I know that, but I'm just asking for the <laughs> podcast. Uh, you know, all the Milwaukee guys, they're like the, I don't know how it is there in Alabama, but you got the guys that try to find the old Dodge with the 12 valves in them. And that's the yep. best thing around. You know, if you don't have that, you're a bitch. Same thing with Milwaukee. Yeah, 12 valves and Milwaukee fuels. It's the same way everywhere, I believe. <laughs> so that's why I hate talking tools. You know, I, I don't mind talking them, you know, from time to time when there's something new to talk about. But, you know, the same old thing. Like some guy wrote me the other day asking, you know, I've got some tools but I need to know what I need to start, you know, because I think he was a lube tech and he's wanting to be a heavy equipment mechanic. And just like, I've talked about it enough, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's that's all I wanted to get into about tools. I just, I didn't know if you had ever explained. Um, like I said, I've, I've taken in so much of the podcast so fast. You know, I, I haven't been a weekly listener. I, um, I got off of Facebook and 
everything but TikTok for a long time. So when I I got back into Facebook a little bit uh, um, and the other social medias, uh, I learned about it. So I, you know, dove in head first, and I've kind of been binge listening. So <laughs> it's I didn't know if I had missed it or not. I just that's all I was wondering about. It's the it's the same old thing, just kind of like with the with the podcast, man. I get burned out on it talking about the same thing. So I'm trying to branch out now to where I can have a little bit more than mechanics on, maybe service manager, whatever. Say, keeping it in the industry, but expanding, you know, the horizon a little bit. But uh, Yeah, trying to get a view from every side of the box instead of in it. Yep. Exactly. You know, and th- th- there might be a... a a service manager or something that comes on here and just blows all of our minds. Like you're not seeing it from this point of view, you know? And so one day my, my wife's a supervisor, you know, she's been on here quite a few times, but she doesn't know everything in the book, you know? So let's talk to everybody. I don't know if you know anybody, but, uh, uh, I definitely like your your question of like uh, why do technicians struggle to grasp troubleshooting? Um, well, well, the second part of that we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the the troubleshooting part, what what is your take on that? Like, why do you think they struggle to grasp it, especially like newer technicians? I I feel like it's a it seems like a reading comprehension issue. Um, newer technicians, I've worked with several over the last few years, and you try to, you know, get them into basic troubleshooting. You pull up the troubleshooting. It says, you know, check this connector for loose or damaged pins, and they check the connector. And then the next step is drag test the connector, and then it gives you a sub section that tells you how to drag test the connector and they're lost you know it's like they don't understand they can't understand what it's telling them to do um it's to me it's like you know i feel maybe i'm different but i feel like anybody that can read and understand words can make their way most of the way through a troubleshooting diagram and mm-hmm. you know I, I just have a really bad problem. Like, you know, I'm obviously been doing this quite a, quite a long time, but my issue is seeing the same old problem over and over and still trying to go through that diagnostic tree and wanting to skip steps because I know that's good. You know, obviously I'm seeing stuff here, but reminding myself that I should probably check it because it could be that problem. But I also have a really hard time focusing on reading the stuff like ADHD, I guess, like hardcore. And like, I, I don't know if you know anything about like John Deere and their schematics and stuff, but they have theory of operation. And it's sometimes, I mean, it could be two or three pages long of how a hydraulic pump system works on a machine. And it's like, I get so bored reading. So that's my problem. And maybe they have the same problem too, you know, focusing. Yeah. Well, the, the main thing that I've found is, well, like you were saying, you know, you skip steps that you know are good. Um, somebody that's, you know, worked with the same code several times and the same machine or truck several times, 
um, you know, I'll do the same thing. You know, there's, you know, that this is not the issue, mm-hmm. but so you, you kind of go to, you know, start at a point where you see common issues and if you don't find anything there, you can, you know, revert back and work your way through. But when you're trying to, you know, I've tried to teach uh, younger guys how to do diagnostics and it seems like what they want to do is they'll just read the troubleshooting tree until they find the word replace. Mm-hmm. And then whatever became come behind that, you know, that's what they go for. You know, you have a truck come in with a check engine light and they're going to like say it's uh, very low coolant level before they do any of the troubleshooting. They're going to read where it says replace coolant level sensor. And they're going to say, Hey, it needs a coolant level sensor before they even check the coolant level. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's the, it seems like that's what we're going towards as far as troubleshooting. So are you doing a, in your role, I guess, are you, are you considered like a, a lead technician or anything like that? Shop foreman, any of that? Um, I was the equivalent of a shop foreman for about five years and I stepped down from it. Um, it was kind of it was a it was a second shift role mm-hmm. um because our our first shift the service manager was there so he done all the leadership stuff and then on second shift we had a equivalent of a shop foreman and i was that for about five years and um things were changing at home and i wanted to be back you know, first shifts, I stepped down from that, but being, uh, having the most seniority at the shop, I still, uh, mentor some, I, I don't really tell anybody what they have to do. I just tell them what they should do. Yeah. That, that, that's, that was kind of the, the point of my question is like mentoring and like teaching. I mean, uh, are you finding it pretty complicating to actually teach these new folks coming in? It depends. Um, the, the younger guys, um, I'm going to say 25 and below there, there's a sense of entitlement there, especially if they've attended a tech school or trade school and they really don't care what you have to say. Um, so I try until I get to a certain point and then I tend to give them the rope and see if they hang themselves. And they usually do. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll start to listen a little bit then. Yeah. That's sometimes and, that's uh, the way you got to do it though. I mean, I, I had to do it not too long ago on a actual dealer technician. He got mad at me cause I kept asking him questions and, he finally snapped at me. I said, all right, see ya. And guess what? 30 minutes later, I get a phone call. How do you do this? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's hard when I was, uh, when I first got into the field, um, I was, I was the young guy. And back then the first actual shop I went into, everybody was older. Um, you know, 40 plus years old. And it was, to me, it was like a, 
school that was worth something. You know, you could shadow someone doing a job and they could show you everything you needed to know about it as long as you paid attention, you know. And uh, now it seems like all the younger people coming into the field don't don't care about others' opinions. They feel like, you know, they've been to the trade school. They know everything there is to know. Give me a job. And then when they get the job, they're lost. And when you try to help them through it, they're, you know, they don't really want to listen. So you're just like, well, you're the, you're the learned one. So have fun. <laughs> and they've got the, the best tools around, you know, the, when they're starting out, they've always got to buy that big bad shit, you know, snap on and stuff. Drives me nuts. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> one thing that I've found, um, is a lot of, there's a lot of people that are scared to, do anything um they seem like they've got the you know a, a little bit of knowledge and want to but they're so afraid to do the work like they're afraid that you know they're not going to be able to do it or they're going to break it or something like that so they they just won't do it yeah i, I you, it's funny you bring that up i, I like that uh you know, I see it a lot of they're willing to get in there and work and diagnose it, but they're too afraid to make that decision. Like, I think I think I know this is the part, but what do you think? You Can you come check it for me? You know, I've, I've seen a lot of that over the years. It's just like, come on, man. You know, you got all these skills, you know, make the decision. If, it, if you think it's the problem, you know, take it apart, do what you got to do. You know, find, we can't wait all day, you know, uh, so, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought on where I was going with that. But, yes, then even, like, you know, seasoned guys sometimes, you know, they come to a new job and they're kind of afraid, you know, they're going to look stupid in front of a boss. I, I don't know. I, you just got to teach them, I guess, like, hey, this, you know, you're pretty good at what you do, man. You know, I trust you. You know, I trust your judgment. You know, maybe that will make them feel better. Yeah, and uh, we had a, a guy come in a couple of years ago. Uh, he's still with us, but he was in his 30s, um, never been in the, the field before. And so it was, just, you know, he was fresh to everything. The most he had done is change the oil on a car. And that guy, he will, if you give him a job, it doesn't matter what it is. He is going head first into it. He has no fear. He will tear it apart. Has no clue how anything works or the theory about it. But if you tell him, you know, change this part, that part's going to be in his hand in just a little while. It don't matter. He may take the entire truck apart to get it off, <laughs> but that part's coming off. And that's the people that I think are worth investing time into their somebody that's not afraid to do it um with a little bit of guidance they're going to be great yeah of course just sucks you know he's getting into it now or then you know kind of late but 
you know, you could build a good career out of this stuff, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you fucking sorry. I I don't know if you cuss or not. I feel like I've been cussing like crazy on this episode, but uh, yeah, I cuss. Um, <laughs> your uh, next, you know, your topic number two: technician versus mechanic. What's the difference? What do you prefer? <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so much. You know, I've never really thought about it. You know, I've always known myself as a heavy equipment mechanic or heavy equipment tech. So I've never thought about that. I would really like to hear your input on that. Um, in my opinion, um, a technician is someone that can diagnose and fix things as long as they have a computer technology mm. where a mechanic is someone that can fix and diagnose things even without the computer like uh say uh you've got say you got a, a decent technician now somebody that is very good with diagnostics you know as long as they can get a start with a computer and get a fault code to get a start with. But is that person going to be just as good on a 855 Cummins, a manual mechanical engine? Mm-hmm. Um, can they, can they um, diagnose and repair symptom-based issues where you have to know the ins and outs of the vehicle, like the mechanics, what, does what when and how it does it as and i feel but i feel like a technician someone that starts with a fault code where a mechanic is somebody that can fix or repair something without that i've never thought of it that way that's uh that blows my mind to be honest with you i'm just sitting there like holy shit maybe that's what that all means (laughs) that's pretty good man I uh yeah, that's cool. I mind blown. I think you're onto something. We need to make that a shirt. TM. <laughs> TM, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you guys. This is our 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 idea. Oh shit. But yeah, I've always I've always considered myself a mechanic. Um sort of like when people you know, people get Mad if you call him a shade tree mechanic, I kind of take offense to technician over mechanic. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not it's not that bad. Like I'm I'm not actually offended, but I would much rather be called a mechanic than a technician. I like it. Now I want to be called mechanic now. Uh, now that you put all that shit that way, man. That's because <laughs> I yeah. See and I. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, because I'm sitting here thinking, like, as you're talking about that, it's like, I don't work on just machines. You know, I work on water trucks that have internationals. You know, there's Cummins, there's other stuff. Detroit's, I think. I can't remember. You know, and all of our haul trucks have Cummins in them. You know, our Ford or all of our crew trucks are F550s. So I work on a little bit of everything, you know, and you kind of learn the, the ins and outs of how everything works. And, I don't have a computer for everything. I only have a computer for cat and deer. So, 
Yeah, and I kind of take it, I mean, it's kind of in the name, you know, technician, tech, technology, or technical, and then mechanic is mechanical, you know, stuff like that. That's, that's just, uh, my dad, you know, like I said, he's, uh, he was a mechanic before he retired, and uh, he hated the word technician. He couldn't stand it. Yeah, he was a mechanic. I'm a diesel mechanic. That's all I am. I'm not. I'm not that. And I got to thinking about it one day, and I was like, you know, technician is kind of a downgrade. You know, <laughs> I always like thought of it as you know. When I think technician, I think of like a, I don't know if you, you've ever seen like a, the, the BMW or any of those dealer technicians, those are technicians because mm-hmm. I, they're always sharp dressed, you know, never really dirty. And a mechanic's always the guy with the grease on his face. And that's the way I've always looked at it. Cause mechanic sounded dirtier. I, I don't know. But now that you've said it this way, I'm totally looking at it from a different perspective. So I don't know. It's crazy, man. You just tra- you changed my my whole outlook today. <laughs> well, whether that's good or bad, uh, I guess that works. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. Like I'm totally just looking at everything from a different point of view, and it makes me laugh that I didn't even think about any of that stuff. When I got to another ocean, I figured since I've gone this far, I might as well just turn back keep right on going when I got tired I slept when I got hungry I ate when I had to go you know I went and so you just ran yeah So I guess we could talk about your little transition, you know, uh, from construction to trucks. I'm trying to carefully word that, I guess, um, because of what you do. What, uh, do you regret it sometimes or anything like that or? Well, um, I've, I love working on trucks. Um, I have a lot of experience with it now, uh, but I have thought about making the switch back at times. Uh, you know, I think that uh, construction equipment uh, would be fun to work on. Uh, it's it's something different. Maybe something uh, once I feel like I've reached maybe the peak at what I'm doing now, it might be something I venture back into. Um, but since that's what you do, I had, uh, some questions about maybe the physical tolls. Do you, are you working on trucks? Um, I can do most everything standing on the ground on my feet or on a shop crawler underneath the bottom. Um, <laughs> I like what you did there. But, the shop crawler. <laughs> but, um, you know, excavators, dozers, stuff like that. How 
Um, how physical is it? Like, do you find yourself plumbing up on the tracks a lot? Um, you know, it's bigger equipment. Like, what do you? How do you feel about that? You know what's what's crazy about that? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, dozers. When I worked for the deer dealer, dozers like were like one of my favorite things to work on until I had to climb under that bitch and drop a belly pin. You know, that was the worst. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely takes your to- takes its toll. I I had some guy message me the other day and said I listened to the podcast, you know, and you're saying that your body's always hurting. You know, you need to start stretching and all this stuff. It's like, well, I do stretch, but it's the arthritis in my wrist and my shoulders hurting from you know lifting heavy shit because my crane can't get in there or my feet hurting because now I have gout in my feet and uh, it's tough man there's days where I fucking hate it where I'm climbing up and down because I forgot a damn wrench you know or a screwdriver it's it's tough and it definitely takes its toll on the body you know I'm, I'm getting burned out um, there's guys that are my age that are like, you're a puss, you know, I love this stuff, but that's them. I, uh, I guess I should have back in the day, listened to my first boss that always told me, you know, do it this way, do it that way, that way. Cause you're going to regret it in the end. And I always thought like, whatever, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, but here I am 34 years old feeling like I'm 60. Yeah. Um, when I was, uh, most short period uh in the construction equipment everybody would say don't jump off the tracks you know you're gonna regret that yeah don't jump off the equipment and uh luckily i guess uh which i've i've got a bad knee from a previous injury not work related but i guess maybe that's getting out of the constructions helped a lot because I don't I don't really have you know that much pain in my knees where maybe if I would have stayed in it I that might be something I have. Yeah, it's uh, it's usually when I wake up in the morning is when I feel the worst. You know, I'm trying to walk on my feet, but like throughout the day I'll feel a lot better where I'm fine, and then it's like over again when I go to bed. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's. I could probably change my boots and get something different to where my feet will feel better. But I just, I'm, I'm torn on what boots to get. You know, I see all these advertisements for, uh, Brent, I can't talk for Brent work boots. And then I get, get messages from guys like, don't buy those boots. They fall apart way too quick. You know, I'm like, well, how many, you're one guy out of millions of people that probably own these things, but, the the boot I really want is thorough good. I just haven't bought any yet. So that I wear rock roasted boots. Oh yeah, I got gotcha. you. I have I have red, uh, red wings, but I found myself not being able to wear them anymore. Um, I had a I had one pair of red wings when I was younger. Uh, they didn't last long. They were uncomfortable. Um, once they like my soles wore very uneven and once they started wearing uneven it was they got very uncomfortable but i i've worn several different brands uh i, I, I blow through boots they last they usually last like six months mm-hmm. and they're toast same here 
So, so I I found actually uh, Rock Rooster contacted me through TikTok and asked me if I'd like to um, try out some of their boots. And uh, they're good boots. I mean, not even just because of the TikTok thing. Like I had a I had a medical thing. Um, I had a tumor come up on my on the back, on the heel of my foot, and I couldn't wear any any of the shoes that I had. So I ordered when I ordered oversized boots to accommodate that. I ordered Rock Roosters. I mean, they're they seem to be holding up better than most other brands um, that I've worn, and they're comfortable, like being on concrete all day. Uh, and they're they're reasonable. I mean, they're a hundred bucks, so uh-huh. it, was, it was it was worth a shot. And until unless something changes with their quality, that's what I'll continue buying. Hmm. But I've had I've had one pair for over a year. I wore them for almost a year before I couldn't wear them anymore. And then uh, the oversized ones, I've had those maybe four or five months. And there's little to nowhere. They're not tearing apart at the seams. Um, they're pretty good boots. And the only reason I talk about them is because I've had good experience with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I like. Uh, before that, I wore um, Ariat boots. Um, but slip-ons now are... Um, not they're frowned upon in the workplace. Yeah, I know. And I still, they're just so easy and convenient. You know, you just throw your foot in and go. That's, I'm wearing non still toe right now, which is also frowned upon, but uh, uh, I don't know, man. But I, you, you seem like you got a pretty good gig right now. Sorry, going back to, you know, wanting to maybe go back to working on construction. It also is a, experience thing now to where if you're making good money and you try to go back to construction, do you think you'll be able to make that kind of money or are you going to take a pay cut because you're not as experienced? You know, have you ever thought about any of that? Yeah, I've, um, I've thought about it. And honestly, I don't see myself leaving where I am for a very long time. And, um, you know, that's why I was, my first question was about the, the physicalness of it because, I mean, I don't see myself leaving in the switching in the foreseeable future, but that's why I didn't know if it might be something that I could get back into in my 40s or 50s, you know. Yeah, well, and there's also the thought, you know, you're working on concrete most of the time, I'm, I'm assuming. You're never yeah. rolling around in having to kneel down in mud and stuff right now are you <laughs> you know there's no. there's days where you you got mud built up on the tracks or the tires or whatever you're working on in the construction industry and the mud could get quite annoying you know trying to walk and you grow fucking eight inches because there's so much mud under your boots and that gets a little old too you know yeah um but you know, I ask, it's not that I'm looking to change. It's just since I have somebody, you know, to talk to 
that does that. Um, trying to, you know, just see if that might be something that's, um, that I could do, you know, in the future, if I had to, you know, say, mm-hmm. so, um, something happened. <laughs> one of the questions I actually have, I mean, and you don't have to answer it because if you're afraid somebody's listening or whatever, have you ever thought about like maybe in the future, buying your own truck and going out on your own answer it as you would or as you feel comfortable <laughs> is that an option i guess yes um i've thought about it uh and more than likely when uh if i leave the role that i'm in that's probably the route that i will go um and that also ties back into, you know, the construction thing, because if I go independent, um, you know, I don't want to just limit myself to one yes, you thing, gotta, you know. You got to keep your options open, like like my boy Joe. <clears throat> you, you've heard him on the podcast. He, he'll he work on anything and everything if he can. And yeah. uh, I admire that about him, because one day he'll send me a picture, and he's working on this badass car hauler, and the next day he's working on a cat excavator. So, but yeah, um, like I said, it's, it's not something that I'm planning on doing, uh, right now, but it is, I think that is my next move. If, uh, if things happen where I'm at, um, or if, uh, if I get burnt out on, on that, uh, I feel like that will be my next move is going independent. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because I'm, I'm not a management person. I don't want to move into management. Um, so where I'm at, where I work is, you know, I'm kind of topped out as far as what I want to do. So there's really, I mean, in, in the company I work for, there is a lot of room to grow, going to management and stuff like that. But that's not something I'm interested in. Sure. So I understand that for sure. But, you know, starting your own business, are you a manager technician? Or I'm sorry, a manager mechanic or <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, well. My, my um, resistance towards management is it's if you're if you're working for management for a company or a corporation, um, you're you're still not you know you still answer to people. You just have to you know you're now you're part of that slide where shit runs downhill. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's, you have to you yeah. have to take it and give it <laughs> exactly, and more stuff is going to be your fault that you got to handle. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I don't want to do it either, especially for a big corporation. But and uh, uh um, sorry, but oh, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't want to get into management for that reason. You know, I don't I don't want to. I don't want to be the middleman, you know, taking, you know, me getting chewed out and then me have to chew somebody else out and management in, in those companies and roles, it's, 
once you get used to the pay of a technician with your overtime and stuff like that, when you move into management, you're, it's a lateral or downgrade, mm-hmm. lateral move or downgrade. You're, you're not, um, you may be, you may, you might be able to make the same amount of money, but your salary then at most places and your, you know, your phone's going to ring any time of the day, any day of the week. Um, and it's, for me, I, I don't want to take the added stress, you know, for the same amount of money or less. Yeah, and you work for a rental leasing company, I guess, and, you know, me working for a fleet, I'm I'm known as the guy that costs the company money. How does that work out in a big corporation like that? Because basically you as a mechanic are costing the company money as well too, right? In that type of company? Yes and no. Um, We, uh, we, you know, do cost money. You know, we find the problems, fix the problems, all the problems are expensive. But when this truck is not available to be on the road, that truck's not making money. Mm-hmm. So um, when it comes to trucks, if the wheels aren't turning, they're costing money anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, uh, if you look at it, one way, all we do, what we do is cost money. And if you look at it from the other side of the window, what we do makes money because we keep more, if the more trucks you keep on the road, the more money the company makes. Well said. That is great. Uh, you know, I, I don't know much about that industry as far as, you know, the, the rental leasing division um it, it's just crazy to me that you know that that could be such a big company uh, how often are you seeing like <clears throat> neglected trucks and stuff like that like people that lease them and they get trashed or uh wrecked or anything like that all of them all very of them. rare do you find <laughs> very rare do you find a company that treats a truck like it's theirs um, and mainly because it's not really the company that leases or rents the unit it's the driver you know drivers don't care um, just like a rental car you know people the joke that Jeff Foxworthy said uh, see that rental car will see more airtime than a skateboard at that games. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I, it's the same way. I guess it's kind of like an operator too. You know, it's not theirs, so they don't treat it the best. We, I've got, you know, at my company, it's not a huge company, but and we've got operators that you know will clean the inside of their cab daily, and then you got guys that spill soda and shit and just leave it for months, you know, and don't report nothing anything like that and i'm always willing to go out of my way for a good operator that takes care of his machine you know we have one crew that 
their machines still look brand new because if they scratch the counterweight on the back of the excavator or anything, they'll they have John Deere paint. They actually touch up the counterweight and stuff. I'm like, my boss is just like blown away the other day. Like, I can't believe how good these machines look. But yeah, man, it's a it's a wild thing out there with operators. So I imagine it's the same for that type of division too that you work in. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, uh, if you've got a company that keeps a truck a long time and keeps, uh, you know, their drivers stay in that cert, that truck and only that truck for the length they have it, you'll have some that are well maintained and well kept. But a big thing in the trucking industry is slip seating when trucks go back to the yard they the driver gets out and the next day when they get there they may not get that truck they Mm -hmm. may get another you know they're not assigned certain trucks and when you get trucks that are slip seated nobody cares they don't they don't keep them clean if a check engine lock comes on in the middle of their trip they bring it back to the yard and park it. It's the next person's fault or problem. And then when that driver comes in, you know, most of the time they'll just run it and it'll continue that cycle until the truck's sitting on the side of the road somewhere. Yeah. That's wild. Blows my mind. But if they, yeah, I bet you they have a really nice car at home and they take good care of it, you know? Yeah. And one thing about trucks that, I hate, uh, it's probably the worst thing about working on trucks are nasty trucks, mm-hmm. people that I don't, I don't know how they, I don't know how it's something that you're in, um, all day, every day. If you're an over the road driver, I don't see how you can let it get in the shape that some of these trucks are though. Like the other day I pulled one in and there was rotting food in the floorboard. Ooh, yummy. We have fuel truck drivers. Well, not no more. Same fucking shit. Got in there. It was moldy and stinky. Luckily, they're gone. Yeah. Um, and it was talked about on an earlier episode of the podcast um, about the holes cutting the floorboard with mm. the funnels and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Luckily... <laughs> um, we don't have that too much because, you know, these units are not company owned by the company that has them. So mm-hmm. they kind of uh, limit that. But we do uh, we do run into cases where they have, just have a bucket in the sleeper and they don't empty it. So. Mm. That gets rough. Get it out here. (laughs) Yeah. um, We had one that the carpet needed changed in the truck. Um, The carpet was ripped around the pedals, so it became a safety issue. So the unit came in to have the floor covering replaced and got in that truck, and their number two bucket had overflowed or sloshed out and it was in the floor on the carpet and 
backed it back out of the shop and the that company paid a decontamination crew to come out and uh clean that up before it was done <laughs> sorry I, I forget that sometimes we're not recording on video so my face is just you know beautiful listening to that fuck it's ridiculous man ah anyway i uh you got any well we kind of talked off the air uh you know i asked you if you got any stories to talk about and you said you had one from when you were young so i would like to hear it because i know nothing about it <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah, I talked about, uh, yes, about close calls, injuries, and stuff like that. And the only real injury that I've had, because I learned a lot from it, is when I was 12 years old, uh, you know, I worked with my dad. I helped him with trucks and stuff. And we were doing repair work on a trailer. It was a log trailer because he had... He, done, he had some trucks that pulled logs, some that pulled vans, some that pulled flatbed. But we were working on a log trailer this day, and he went to the steel plant and bought the metal for the bolsters, the uprights for the trailer. And we were doing something. He asked me to get something out of the back of his service truck. And you know how service beds, most of them have the, the tailgate, and they're held with the chain. You... Mm-hmm. pull the chains out, pull the tailgate back, and hook the chain back in, and that's what, you know, holds it up. Well, instead of climbing over the tailgate, because there was, those bolsters were laying, uh, they were too long for the service bed, so they were propped up on the tailgate. And being young and dumb, I decided that instead of just stepping over the tailgate, I was going to let it down. And I... Uh, unhooked those chains, pulled the tailgate back, uh, rehooked the chains, and I lost grip. And the tailgate fell with all that metal on it. And just so happened that my hand was right over the panel hitch. Mm. So I got my bird finger caught between the tailgate and the panel hitch and cut the end of it off. Bird finger. I like that. So you're one of the unlucky ones with missing a piece of a digit, huh? Yeah, um, but luckily, I guess, um, I got that out of the way when I was young. And (laughs) I'm uh, a lot more cautious with where I stick my fingers now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I know a couple of guys with, you know, missing the ends of their fingers. You know, straps pulling, pulling a finger off or... You know, uh, a guy I used to work with was lifting up a cab on a skid steer, and the door was open on the cab. And when he lifted it up, it slammed closed and cut the end of his finger off. <laughs> you would never think, but I guess it's possible. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, something. It's usually the things that you would never expect. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously if you expected it, you would not have done it. But um, close calls, uh, you know, um, I do have a funny story that could have been a close call. 
back, uh, I was working before I was where I'm at now. I done a uh, job for a guy. He had a truck that needed a head gasket. So I pulled the head off and I cleaned the deck up. And this guy believed in using ether for a parts cleaner. So, uh, which is fine. I mean, I guess it works, but I, uh, I pulled the head off, cleaned the gasket surface. Um, and I'm a razor blade kind of guy, not a Ziswell guy. So I cleaned the surface up and we had, uh, some broken bolts in the turbo when I pulled it off, pulled the manifold nut off. So after I got the gasket surface cleaned up, we went to um, trying to extract those broken bolts and stuff. And I tried uh, tried everything, and eventually it came down to welding a nut on the, on the bolt and trying to extract it that way. Well, somehow or another, even though the... Um, you know, done what we could to prevent anything from getting to the deck. While I was welding, there was this huge explosion. I had a welding hood on, so it just sounded like something fell, you know, to me because I didn't see any of the flames or anything like that. And I stopped welding, pulled my hood up, and... This guy was just, his eyes were as big around as the phone screen, you know. <laughs> and he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. What happened? You know, he's like, something exploded. I don't know what it was. And about that time, there's engine oil starts running out from under the truck. Oh, <laughs> I already know where this so is we going. Got the, <laughs> we got to looking and the... Uh, fiberglass Detroit oil pan was no longer an oil pan. (laughs) Apparently the ether from cleaning the deck had settled in the oil pan and it had been a few hours since any ether had been sprayed. So I was sure that, you know, it had evaporated. I thought ether evaporated, you know, but it turns out that somehow or another, uh, that I'm guessing the vapors, you know, what little bit was evaporating up through the deck, mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of those sparks from welding hit those vapors and it just exploded the, uh, you know, the ether sitting in the oil pan and it just blew the oil pan to pieces. That's so awesome. Cause I've, I've kind of done the same thing, man, but. It was like a, a loader axle, but it nothing happened. I, I had it torn apart, and the axle was sitting, you know, uh, differential side down, the axle half yeah. or shaft or whatever, the left or right side. had it sitting down, and I was going to weld the race to get it pulled out, and I forgot that I had just sprayed brake clean on that bitch to get it cleaned up. And I went to go run a bead, and all of a sudden, boom! You know, big old boom. It didn't blow nothing up, but it, I felt the pressure hit me in the in the face. It was crazy. I didn't even think about yeah. it. 
And, but I was, um, you know, this was the first time that I had met this guy. You know, I just, you know, <laughs> went up there to do a job. And, um, you know, I felt like I was about that tall, quarter inch tall, you know, like I was, I just knew that, you know, replacing an oil pan, you don't have to pull the transmission, replace the rear main seal, replace the front main seal. You know, I'm thinking everything, every, this engine's just going to pour oil from everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, but luckily, uh, he was the kind of guy that, you know, he's like, nobody's hurt. We learned a lesson. No more ether. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, put a new oil pan on the engine, and it, luckily the front and rear main seals were intact, and all was good, you know. So, but that was, that's probably the uh, the wildest wrenching story I have for close calls or accidents or, you know, just anything in general. It was, it was crazy. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. That's a good story. You know, you, you don't think about that shit, but it happens. But. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about. Cleaning agents or anything flammable, you know, it's you've got to be aware of the surroundings. Mm-hmm. Well, you uh, you seem like a super knowledgeable guy when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And, you know, before we close this thing out, I, I got to ask you one last question. Well, actually, you know what? Let's make that too, because I haven't asked this question in a long time. Uh, if you were to go back and change what you were doing, what would you actually do as a job? Well, I believe um, I would probably do the same thing. But if I had to choose a different career path, it would be probably a high school history teacher. Hmm. Interesting. Um, when I was going to school, uh, when I went to college, um, after I finished my diesel certificate, uh, I took several classes towards the secondary education for the history major. And, uh, I've, you know, done night school and stuff like that. And, uh, once I and I had I was working a full time job at a trucking company then, and I I just enjoyed it so much that I knew I wouldn't be happy in a classroom, you know, cooped up all day. And so I finished the semester and didn't go back. <laughs> but um, if I had to choose another career path besides wrenching, it would be that. That's cool, man. That's interesting. I always, I always like hearing that from people because a lot of people, you know, I've told what I would do, told the, you know, what I wanted to do, different things, and it's always cool hearing people's, you know, other options type stuff. And anyway, the last question I was going to ask, since you know, like I said, you you sound very knowledgeable in a lot of stuff, is do you have any advice for the younger? younger guys coming into the trades or, you know, wanting to wrench, anything like that. Um, any solid advice? Yeah. Um, basically the same thing that several other guests have said, 
you know, find someone with some experience um, and be a sponge. You know, everything that someone else knows, they have either learned from someone or they have learned from experience. And, you know, mistakes, that's a big thing. If if you can learn from someone else's mistakes without having to make them yourself, that's, you know, that's a very good thing. Um, and another thing is be willing to work. Um, don't be afraid to tear into something. Um, the way that I try to explain it to guys that um, come into the shops that are new, the equipment, truck, whatever it is, would not be in the shop if it wasn't broke. So don't be afraid to tear it apart. It's already broke. You can't, I mean, you're. it's not likely that you're going to make it any worse. And another thing is everyone makes mistakes. Um, and you're going to you're going to break stuff. You're going to damage things. Um, it's just part of it. If you if you can't uh, you can't fix every truck and never break apart or damage apart or something like that. So don't uh, don't be afraid to take stuff apart. As long as you're trying to fix something and not doing something stupid when something gets damaged, your employers aren't going to fault you for it or jump down your throat because you accidentally tightened the brass fitting too tight and broke the fitting or you accidentally, uh, you know, broke something. Like, it's, there's, uh, there's things that are going to happen and as long as you're not being dumb when it happens, then most employers are just going to chalk it up to the cost of tuition. And, and uh, you're not, you know, you may get a talking to about pay more attention or something like that, but nobody's going to, um, nobody's going to pull out a belt and beat you in the middle of the shop. You know? <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to, you know, it's not your dad going to beat your ass or ground you. But yeah. That's um, funny. Yeah. I mean, the most that, the most that anybody can do to you in a shop is with words. So it's not like, you know, it's not like it's that big of a deal. So just the main thing is learn from the older more experienced mechanics, technicians, whatever they prefer to be called. And uh, don't be afraid to do the job. You know, it's it's in the shop for a reason, so don't be afraid of it. Hell yeah. Well said, my friend. Uh, last but not least, we're, you know, I said in the beginning that we'll talk about this later, um, working everybody find you or information about you, all that stuff, social media wise. TikTok, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, the name is 1320 Turley. The only thing that I'm 
active on is TikTok. Um, uh, uh, I post dumb videos there, <laughs> but I do post. Uh, I d- one thing that when the channel first started, before I got bored with it, was I tried to post a lot of informational videos to kind of help younger techs. Um, little tips and tricks that I've found uh, to make a certain job easier or stuff like that. Uh, I'll make a little video on it and put it on TikTok because all your younger techs are there. So hopefully they can learn from it. Yeah. I like to make joke videos about shit, you know, like the wrong way to do stuff. And it, they yeah. seem to do pretty well. <laughs> I do those. I do those too. Um, just, to, uh, you know, boost my channel. But the stuff that I, those kind of videos, I try to make it blatantly obvious that what I'm saying is not correct. Yes. Like, uh, I had a truck with a wheel seal come in and I made a video and I said that this was a new wet brake system like <laughs> was used in a farm tractor. And people got on that. About it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I do, I'll do videos like that. Cause that's what those kind of videos are what get the views and grow the channel. Um, but, uh, I try to, you know, throw in some tips and tricks and stuff like that in there, too. They usually don't do very well, but mm-hmm. hopefully somebody will see them. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate the the shout-outs and stuff and the awesome video that you made, you know, yesterday. I thought that was pretty funny. And, you know, I appreciate anybody that, you know, shows support for the podcast and stuff because I'm just a little lonely guy that does this and can't do it all the time so all the support out there is great yeah um i believe that anything you believe in uh or like you should do what you can to help it uh and that goes with podcast uh creators small businesses mm-hmm. you know any pretty much anybody um, if you like what a person is doing or a service they're providing or something like that, if you don't try to support them, then they may not make it. So, um, oh, yeah. So I, I believe in trying to help, um, uh, you know, get the word out for stuff that I enjoy listening to because, uh, and, you know, as the line of work I'm in and I enjoy it. So I'm sure other people enjoy it. So I like to get the word out. <laughs> yeah. And that video, um, that's my friend at work. I kind of boss him around and <laughs> made him listen to the podcast. <laughs> that's awesome. He enjoys it. <laughs> he Ooh. came back, uh, from his, uh, day at the yard where he, he's, uh, I guess what you would call a resident and he uh he said that he'd listened to four episodes that day so 
Well, tell them to hang in there because those first few episodes, the qual, the the audio quality and everything is just trash. And because you know, I started out from scratch, you know, cheap computer and cheap mics and cheap soundboard and yeah. So I always tell everybody if you're gonna check it out, listen to like the last, you know, fifteen episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, don't count episode 46 if that's what this one's going to be. This is going to be epi- terrible at talking. episode 46. Uh, well, man, I think that's going to be it. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. We, you know, killed it on this thing. You got a, you know, lot of, lot of knowledge and it's great to hear. You know, there's, there's, we're going to be a dying breed, you know, in the next, 30 years, you know, all these new kids coming in and not knowing shit and not wanting to learn. And it's, uh, what are they going to do without us? Yeah. Once, once all the people that, you know, were around with the, like, you know, the series sixties and in 14 Cummins and stuff like that, you know, it's, that's not stuff they teach anymore. So mm-hmm. when uh, when the people that have experience with that are gone, then all those engines, hopefully they'll be in the junkyard by the time I'm gone. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, man, I, I, it was fun, like just sitting and bullshitting. You know, I always like to get to know new people and all that good stuff. So I think with that being said. Let's call it a call it a day, and we'll get this thing edited and released, and whatever. Right. Uh, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, sorry that uh, <laughs> I was. I'm not the best uh, at talking, especially. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until next week, uh, or two weeks i don't know yet we'll see i'm going to california so i don't know if i'll be able to release while i'm there anyway thanks man i appreciate it we'll see you guys